The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Alright, welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 144 of the podcast, or you're joining us live here on YouTube. Today is Sunday, June the 16th, Father's Day. So, very happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there doing the right thing. I'm not talking to you fuckboys who think it's enough to just send a check once a week. Um, I'm talking about the fathers that are actually there for their kids and and doing what they need to do to take care of their families. Um, you know, it can be a thankless job sometimes, but you know, the real dads out there know that they're appreciated. So happy Father's Day to all of you who actually earn the right to have a happy Father's Day because I think it's a it's a privilege, it's not a given thing. So to those of you who are out there doing the right thing, uh, I hope you enjoy a, a barbecue or cold beer, a cigar, an apron with a cheesy saying on it, or a round of golf, whatever it is you like to do. Uh, I hope you get to do it in addition to spending some quality time with the kiddos. With that, let me introduce my co-host all the way from New Jersey, Jeff the animal wilson jeff how you feeling on this sunny father's day afternoon my friend bill it's only sunny in florida brother <laughs> um, once again it is rainy up here in new jersey um i don't mind it though it's breaking the humidity a little bit and bill happy father's day to you um i'm gonna be doing some stuff for my dad a little bit later i'm gonna order some taco bell because we're both fans of that <laughs> I got him some cologne. I feel like that's a very dad thing to do. You get your dad cologne. Nice. I mean, hopefully he doesn't need it like immediately after the Taco Bell. Um. Yeah, Bill, he, he's not going to make plans for after. He's <laughs> yeah, going to be on the throne for the rest of the afternoon. Yeah, you can't. Uh, well, it's a good way to celebrate uh, the, the <laughs> patriarch. Happy Father's Day to, to Mr. Animal Wilson. And, um, yeah, and thanks for the Father's Day wish, my man. I'll tell you how I spent it, um, even though you already know because I texted you this morning. I spent it with my head uh, inside a fucking hole in my living room that's about a foot and a half by two and a half feet that I cut out on Friday night while I was watching the Bellator fights, which we'll get to in a little bit. But, um, you know, some some people enjoy a good dad anecdote. So this is the most dad way I could think to spend Father's Day is uh, fixing a leak in the bathtub. Uh, <laughs> so there's a bathroom in my house on the second floor that was not used very much by the previous owners. And what happens is there's a seal in the drain uh, between the drain pipe and the actual bathtub. And those seals, if you don't, constantly have water flowing over them they dry out and they crack and then water leaks so i noticed some discoloration in my living room ceiling 
and it got worse and worse. So I realized like, okay, there's probably water in there. So I cut that big fucking hole out that I sent you a picture of this morning, Jeff. I did that on Friday night. It was covered in wet drywall. It was a good time. And then uh, I had to let it dry out for at least a day. And I climbed back up there this morning and figured out where the leak was coming from. And then the next step is to let it dry out again, get some uh, plumber's putty and, and a new gasket seal and, um, you know, see if I could patch this thing up. And, and the reason I'm doing all this, I'm going to tell you a little story about my dad to kick off the show here. And when I was a kid, I remember one time my dad used to work crazy hours. He was in gas construction when I was growing up. So, uh, he would, he would bust his ass to, to take care of us and, and make sure we had everything that we needed, you know, working 80 hour weeks and stuff like that. So definitely shout out to my dad. Happy Father's Day, dad. Um, I know you listen sometimes, but, um, there was one time he got home from work and he was just totally exhausted. And there was, a uh, like a flood in our basement and he had to go down there and there's a drain in the floor of the basement and he had to like snake it out cause it had clogged up somehow. And, um, I remember, I remember sitting down there in the basement and I said to him, I was like, dad, how do you know how to do all this stuff? Because it seemed like he just knew exactly what to do. I'm like, you know, ripping stuff out of this drain and, and getting the clog out. And his answer to me resonated with me for the rest of my life. And still to this day, I always think about it every time something goes wrong in my own house. He said, I have to figure it out because I can't afford to pay somebody else to come do it for me. So that always stuck with me when he said that. So every time something comes up, like my, my thought is like, oh, maybe I should get a plumber. Maybe I should get an electrician. But then I started to think about it. I do a little bit of research. Um, I call my dad usually and say, hey, dad, how do I fix this? Um, and, and I try to do it myself. So it's a pain in the ass. It sucks to, to climb up into a ceiling with fucking wet drywall dripping on you and and like whatever gunk is is up in the ceiling there's like dead bugs and cobwebs and yeah uh, you know whatever nasty shit is in the drain when i gotta pull a drain out of the tub but you know at the end of the day uh it's the most appropriate way to spend father's day because that's the kind of shit you gotta take care of um you know when you're when you're like the head of the household and you gotta you know it's my daughter's bathtub too, which is the reason it started leaking again because the previous owners hadn't ever used it. And we started, once we started using it to, to give her baths and she loves taking her baths. So I got to fix it, Jeff. That's what I got to do. It's part of the, part of the job description. It has been father's day covered in drywall. And, um, it, it's not all going to be about that. We're going out to lunch a little bit later with my father-in-law. We're going to a spot called whiskey cake in Tampa. And it's like, it's like the cheesecake factory for alcoholics. I think they have like over 300 whiskeys. So we're going to have a good time today too. And, uh, I have a good time fixing stuff around the house too. So that's my father's day, Jeff. And that's my father's day story about my dad that I wanted to share with you all. So there you have it. You want to talk about some fights or, uh, or what do you want to do here? Yeah, Bill, before we get into it, that's exactly what my dad said to me. Uh, I don't know if you remember around this time last year when uh, when I was helping my dad fix the new water heater, mm -hmm. and uh, we had to put that in. 
And he basically told me the same thing. I asked him, you know, how do you know where everything goes? And he said, I can't afford to have somebody else do it. So uh, we fixed it. We took care of it. And uh, you know what, Bill? At the end of the day, I feel like it's an, it's an accomplishment. You feel accomplished after that. Mm-hmm. And Bill, it's the most dad thing you can do on Father's Day is fix a leaky bathtub. So speaking of shit that needs to be handled, last <laughs> um, Friday night, a certain welterweight champion had certain championship duties that he had to attend to. And Bill, my only problem with this welterweight Grand Prix is that because Roy McDonald is the welterweight champion, all of his fights are title defenses. So why are we even having this Grand Prix? Yeah, it kind of doesn't make sense. Um, You know, the heavyweight tournament made sense because there was no heavyweight champion at the time. But yeah, it is kind of weird that they had a tournament it's like, yeah, Rory's the champion, but we got all these other guys we want to show off. Um, and, you know, we've seen that there's a there's a deep talent pool in the welterweight division, Bellator. So, of course, we're talking about Bellator 222, which took place, uh, you know, right across the river from you, Jeff, Madison Square Garden, New York City. And, yeah, so Rory McDonald, every time he fights, he's defending the title to win a tournament. Uh, which actually has a million dollar prize now. I, I feel like a lot of people don't even realize that. I think 50 Cent put the million dollars on the line for the winner of this tournament. So I, I guess that's the answer to your question. He's not fighting uh, to win the title. He's fighting to win the million dollar tournament. So he gives Neiman Gracie his first loss. Um, it was a it was a decent fight. Um, I gotta say, I was a little. Uh, I was a little emotionally drained from the uh, the co-main event or or the second main event. I forget what they were calling it, but um, uh, we'll we'll get into that in a, in a second. But Rory McDonald looked good against Neiman Gracie. Um, y- you know, Neiman's got a long way to go when it comes to mixed martial arts. Obviously, his Brazilian jiu-jitsu is very top shelf. Um, he could probably submit most welterweights, no problem. But uh, the striking is a little bit of a concern. Now, obviously, he's able to strike in a way where he doesn't have to worry about being taken down because he's a world-class on the ground. Um, but yeah, Rory McDonald did what he had to do. He stayed out of trouble. He wasn't afraid to go to the ground with Neiman. He put him down a couple of times. Um, you know, he got put in some uncomfortable spots, but... Uh, you know, there was a heel hook. There was, I think, Neiman at his back at one point. And, you know, Rory did what Rory does. He stayed calm in there and, um, you know, kept pushing forward, came away with the win. What's most impressive about this is Rory McDonald fought like five weeks ago. And then right after that, he's like, I don't know if I have it in me to hurt people anymore. And, you know, there was that whole thing that, that kind of went a little bit viral and people are like, oh, maybe you shouldn't be doing this anymore. And then, you know, there's the physical aspect. I mean, five weeks is not a lot of time off. We saw how it affected Donald Cerrone uh, when he fought Tony Ferguson. Um, so it, if anything, the most impressive part of this win is the psychological aspects, how he was able to, you know, put himself into another five round fight five weeks later after saying like, maybe he doesn't want to do this anymore. Uh, after going to war with John Fitch. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on this fight, Jeff? Yeah, dude, I thought Rory McDonald did a spectacular job in the grappling department. He was in some very bad spots against Neiman Gracie. 
Um, he was in a knee bar in the first round, was able to just roll out of it. Um, like you said, the heel hook, he kind of stood up on that and just uh, relieved a lot of the pressure. Um, and it just goes to show how well-rounded Rory McDonald is, you know? Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we've talked about how Roy McDonald started um, by training MMA as a whole, not one thing, and then adding to that. Mm -hmm. um, whereas Neiman Gracie has dedicated basically his whole life to becoming a jiu-jitsu jiu black belt and, you know, honing in his grappling skills. So a lot of credit to Roy McDonald here. I thought he did really well, uh, especially on the ground. I was surprised um, at how well he was defending a lot of the submissions. He was able to take Neiman Gracie down a few times. And overall, um, like like I said, I think Roy McDonald went out there and just uh, took care of business. So it's good to see him get back into the win column here. Um, I felt like he was growing a little stale for a little bit there. But I think last night, uh, Friday night's performance was really indicative that he still got it in him, even if it doesn't always seem that way. Yeah, I think um, Roy, for a little while, he got too caught up in the you know, I want to be a champion of two weight classes. And he tried to take on Gegard Musasi and that, that just got completely overwhelmed in that fight. And I, I think you just overlooked the talent pool that actually exists in this welterweight division in Bellator. I mean, it's, it runs deep, man. And you got, you got the younger up and, you know, the more up and coming guys like Ed Ruth, Neiman Gracie guys who don't, you know, have a lot of experience under their belt. This was the first loss for Neiman Gracie and only his 10th MMA fight. Whereas it was the uh, 27th fight, I think for Rory McDonald. Um, so yeah, exciting things for the welterweight division going forward in Bellator. Um, you know, and then you still have guys like Michael Venom page. You have Douglas Lima, who, you know, may be the best welterweight on the planet. Uh, so this is going to line up the rematch between Lima and Rory McDonald. Um, I kind of, I kind of thought that Lima could have, you could argue that Lima won their first fight. Um, you know, Rory McDonald couldn't even walk or stand on his leg when a fight was over. Cause he had such a huge knot on his shin. Um, you know, they, they went to war and I'm sure they will again. These are two guys who have a lot of respect for each other. And I think it's like September, October, they're going to run it back. Um, and that'll be the winner of, of 50 cents million dollars that nobody's really talking about. Um, I, I don't really understand, uh, 50 cents involvement in, in Bellator. Um, it's, it's kind of weird, but you know, Bellator has always been kind of weird like that, where they try to get like celebrities on board. I don't know how much 50 cent qualifies as a celebrity anymore either. Um, but in any case, that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about the biggest celebrity involved in Bellator history. The man who laid his gloves down on Friday night in the world's most famous arena. I'm talking about the American gangster, the one and only Chael P. Sonnen. And don't forget the P stands for icon. Uh, this was a bittersweet one for me, Jeff. Uh, cause I've kind of felt like maybe Chell doesn't have what it takes to compete at this level anymore. Uh, 42 years old. So credit to him for still getting in there. Uh, took a beating at the hands of Leota Machida and, you know, decided it was time. The show's over. So Chael Sonnen, I, I have been following his career since the, 
WEC days, um, and actually even since the Bodog days, uh, I've always enjoyed Chael's style. I know a lot of people aren't a fan of of um, you know wrestlers who use their ability to hold hold guys down, but if you look at his resume, um, you you can't argue the fact that uh, this is one of the best guys to to ever do it. Uh, and, and you look at the the people he's been in there with, you know, stepped up to fight John Jones on short notice because they needed a guy to to fill in for the pay-per-view. And yeah, I got TKO there, uh, got in there with Anderson Silva and dominated him uh, for like f- four rounds and four minutes and 45 seconds before he got put in a triangle. Um, and, and that was when nobody wanted to get in there with, with Anderson Silva. He got in there and knocked him down with a punch as soon as the fight started and stayed in his face the whole time. What I always admired most about Chael is you tell him who and you tell him where, and he's getting in that cage to fight. Uh, and, you know, even if he didn't think he could win, he would get in there and compete. And, and that's the kind of fighter he was. He would never turn down fights. Uh, he would never, you know, talk about money and, and being a big money fighter, even though he was, he was one of the first guys to start making the big paychecks because of the whole persona and everything that he put on. And and that's what I always admired most about Chael. Maybe not, you know, my favorite fighter as far as what he's accomplished, but one of my favorite fighters in terms of his attitude and his willingness to just get in there with anybody. Um, you know, he comes from one of the toughest camps ever, the old team quest, uh, Randy Couture, Dan Henderson, Matt Linland, uh, just legend after legend that came out of there. And, you know, some of the toughest, grittiest guys, and and that's who he came up with. Um, and, and then you look at, you look at his victories, you know, he's beaten Michael Bisping, he's beaten Brian Stan. Um, he beat Paulo Filo and, and what should have won him a championship, but Paulo Filo missed weight um, by seven pounds, and he was the champion, which you know technically should have won him a title. He should have retired a champion. And Chael always said that he wouldn't, he wasn't going to stop until he won a championship because he promised his father before his father passed away that he was going to win a championship. Um, in my eyes, he retires a champion, and I, I think he'll still go on to do amazing things. He's one of my favorite analysts personally. He's been a big inspiration for me in doing this show that I've been doing for the past three years. You know, I still draw inspiration from Chael and, uh, I, I think he's still going to play a big role in this sport for sure. And, and he has for a long time, he changed the game in a lot of ways. Um, so thanks Chael for all the memories inside the cage. And, you know, we're looking forward to everything you have to offer the sport. Uh, going forward from the outside. Uh, so give me your thoughts on this, Jeff, and then we'll we'll talk about the uh, the actual fight here. Yeah, dude, a big thank you to Chael Sonnen. So entertaining, no matter what side of the desk he's on, whether he's fighting in front of it, sitting behind it, analyzing. Uh, like you said, I think his influence is going to be felt for a long, long time. Um, you know, he, he was basically where Conor McGregor started, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still remember when he beat Brian Stan and Joe Rogan uh, started the post-fight interview and Chael Sonnen goes, um, Anderson Silva, you absolutely suck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And it's like, oh, man, you can't write stuff like that, man. Uh, so you got to love Chael Sonnen. Love him, hate him. 
he's an entertaining fighter. Um, he puts asses in seats. Dude. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, some of his interviews are, are just hilarious. Um, you know, he it's it's like he does it without even trying. And, and like you said, man, um, the fact that he was willing to step up and fight anybody anywhere, um, you know, very reminiscent of Donald Cerrone, you know, it's a shame that he never um, got a championship, unfortunately. But to me, mm -hmm. he's the people's champ, Bill. That's right. I mean, send whoever you want. Just don't send whoever you want to come back. <laughs> he had so many great one-liners. Um, and, it, you know, a very inflammatory character. You know, he was the first real bad guy. Um, you know, there was Tito Ortiz before him, but Tito did it by accident because he's a dummy. Um, you know, he was the first guy to say, you know, I don't have to be loved. You know, I could be hated and still make, uh, you know, more money than anybody else. Um, and, you know, he embraced that bad guy role and, you know, people bought into it because a lot of people who are fans of MMA came from WWE, which is where Chael ripped off his entire stick. But he was the first one to be able to adapt it to MMA successfully, um, you know, the same way Conor McGregor did and and same way Colby Covington is trying to do and and the same way Dylan Dennis is failing miserably at Um but yeah, he was able to do that. He was like, you know, what do I care if people love me or hate me? I'm getting in a cage. I'm fighting another guy and I'm going to do my best. And it, that's what it's really about. And everything else is just, um, is just icing on the cake. You know, I don't have to be the most loved fighter of all time. I, I want to be the best fighter of all time. So I always love that attitude too. And it, you know, he did it with, um, you know, his antics never really went too far. Like he never even cursed at anybody. Uh, he would just be, he would just be like a, like a bully. Um, you, you know, the, the times he took it too far, maybe would be, you know, talking about, uh, Brazilians and stuff like that. You know, he had to have armed guards when he, when he did the ultimate fighter in Brazil, uh, when he was coaching, uh, Anderson, uh, against Anderson Silva. I mean, um, Vanderlei Silva, my mistake. Uh, there's already people screaming at their phones that I said the wrong thing. Um, <laughs> In any case, I don't want to take anything away from Leora Machida. You know, here's another guy who's also in his 40s, uh, and he looked good, man. Um, he, you know, he's he's been the wrestler killer, you know, against guys like uh, Randy Couture. And, um, it, you know, he, he was able to do it again. I mean, he's Team Quest's worst nightmare, probably. Um, the old team quest worst nightmare and you know he hit that first flying knee on jail and i thought it was over at that point but jail yeah. was able to somehow survive and and get his guard back and um and uh you know he'd fall for the exact same thing in the second round which uh wound up putting him away um in any case you'd hate to see it hate to see him take take that extra damage but you know credit to leota machida i thought he looked good um give me your thoughts on that jeff yeah dude leota machida's use of space is ridiculous man i mean he was so far away from chael that he could just um fill that space with strikes uh so whenever sonin shut in shot in uh machida you know that's when he would land the knee and it's because he he's so good at getting in and out using that karate footwork 
And credit to Machida, like you said, man, and credit to Sonnen as well, because Sonnen got stiffened up in that uh, first round after he ate the first flying knee. And mm -hmm. I thought it was over at that point. But uh, credit to Lyoto Machida as well. Um, you know, got in there, got the job done, and getting his, I believe, second win uh, after signing with Bellator, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, yeah, dude, I'm excited to see what's next for Lyoto Machida, uh, what happens next in his light heavyweight division. Um, and excited to see, um, Ryan Bader defend both belts or if he's going to relinquish one, we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Um, so yeah, credit to, to Machida. I didn't want to, I didn't want to spend the whole time talking about Chael and, and ignore, uh, his, his win. So, you know, unfortunately, Chael did have to go out on a loss, but it was an impressive performance by Lyoto. Um, Dylan Dennis armbarred some some dude. Um, I, I don't have much to say about it. I mean, he took the guy down and and uh, you know kept him there for like four minutes and wound up getting an armbar. Um, I, I guess the guy did an okay job surviving on the ground since Dylan Dennis's jujitsu is really good, but. I don't understand why he's on the, the main card, really. This is his second fight, and it's not against anybody. So I don't really have much. And then he, it, the thing that bothered me is he calls out John Jones. And he's like, I'm ready to fight John Jones. I don't even care. It's like, dude, you have two fights against people nobody has heard of. Like, relax. <laughs> <laughs> you're, call, you're calling out a guy that it's impossible for you to fight. Not only are you not in his weight class, you're not even in the same organization. <laughs> oh man that's like uh that that'd be like jeff if if i beat you in a ping pong match and i'm like roger federer <laughs> i'm coming for you motherfucker <laughs> like <laughs> like, <laughs> like oh, hey, calm down talking about fighting john jones what the fuck is wrong with you call out somebody realistic that's like in your division um which he's not even in a division he fought at 175 that's not even a division in bellator like make 170 pounds call out neiman gracie or something um in any that case be an exciting fight to watch actually i would love that fight um i don't know that it's gonna happen because i think you know bellator is kind of trying to build dylan dennis up which i get um you know, because people are going to want to see him fight, whether it's to see him win or lose. Um, and I, I think he'll he'll have a good career in MMA because he he does get under people's skin and he is like very cringeworthy, which makes people want to see him get beat up. And, you know, as long as they keep stacking cans up for him to submit, then, uh, you know, he'll be able to keep going with that stick and good for him. You know, I hope he does well. I hope he's successful. Um, but don't call out John Jones. That's just, that's just irritating. Um, anyway, uh, the guy who I was most impressed with on this whole card is a guy named Patrick mix. And I told you guys on the show last week, the fight to watch on this card is Patrick mix and Ricky Bendejas. Um, Bendejas, of course, is known for stepping up last minute to come in and face the uh, the Gallagher kid, uh, the the kid from Ireland with the with the slick submissions. Patrick Mix comes in and just jumps on Ricky Bendejas's back and and breaks him down, falls backwards, and chokes him out in, in the first minute of the first round. 
Uh, and Ricky Bandejas is no joke. I mean, he's training out of Jersey. I think he's um, with Mark Henry's team there, uh, Frankie Edgar and those guys. Uh, he's a really tough guy, and he's really great at, at surviving in tough spots. Uh, and Patrick Mix was able to submit him in a minute, and then he called out the Gallagher kid. I love it. Um, I hope they make this fight happen. Uh, yeah, Patrick Mix really slick submissions, undefeated. He's ten and zero or eleven and zero, something like that. After this fight, so if you guys missed the Bellator card, uh, I would say this is the number one fight to go back and watch. The number two fight I would say to go back and watch is Juan Archuleta and Eduardo Dantas. Uh, these guys uh, were fucking slugging it out, and Archuleta knocked out. Dantas with one second left in the second round. Uh, and he put him down hard. Um, and, and what's unfortunate for Juan Archuleta, who's one of the baddest motherfuckers around. Uh, he's one of these guys that, that I think doesn't get the credit he deserves. But what a lot of people were talking about after the fact is, is that, uh, he had TJ Dillashaw in his corner. So people were just talking about, Oh, TJ Dillashaw was there, but, um, I, he fights at 135, 145, and 155. I think he's had three belts in a previous organization, King of the Cage, if I'm not mistaken. But he's on a ridiculous win streak. Um, it's close to 20 in a row, uh, which is insane because he's been fighting pretty top-level competition. This was his one, two, three, four, fifth win in a row in Bellator. Um and he wants to fight uh, the current bantamweight champion now, Kyoji Horiguchi, who beat Darian Caldwell for the bantamweight championship on Friday night. Um, did Did you catch either of these fights, Jeff? Patrick Mix, Ricky Bandejas, and Juan Archuleta, Eduardo Dantas. Yeah, dude, I actually was able to watch. I believe all all of them. And um. Actually, I just caught Patrick Mix's fight right now, uh, since it was only a minute long. And Bill He's really impressed. Um, you know, he uh, Patrick Mix going for the takedown, doesn't get it. Um, just does a little um, in wrestling. Sometimes they call it a drive by or a pass by, where mm -hmm. he passes head under Ricky Bandejas, jumps on his back, and does a really good job of getting that rear naked choke. So mm -hmm. I'm really impressed with that performance. And I really liked uh, Juan Archuleta's performance because he knocked Eduardo Dantas out while Archuleta himself was right up against the cage. Mm -hmm. uh, Dantas had done a good job of making him back up, and Archuleta throws this overhand right, which to me it, it almost looked like he, like he didn't hit him that hard. It was it was weird when I watched the replay, mm -hmm. and um, you know got got the KO win. Eduardo Dantas, uh, very game opponent in this featherweight division. So I'd like to see what Archuleta does next. Um, I think calling out um, the Bantamweight champion is a good move. Um, like you said, he's fought in three weight classes. He can make the weight. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think that um, it makes for a really entertaining fight against Horiguchi, who is a very, very tough opponent. As mm -hmm. noted, Friday night he beat Darren Caldwell again. First he beat him in yeah. Rise, and, and I beat him at his own on on his own turf over yeah. at the Bell Tour. Yeah, so they arranged this rematch. So Horiguchi submitted Darian Caldwell and Ryzen a couple of months ago. So they wanted to run it back uh, in Bellator. You know, let's see who really is the best. And Horiguchi, who is the the champion in Ryzen, 
now wins the bantamweight championship in Bellator. So this is actually a big deal that I think not a lot of people are talking about. Horiguchi, the first cross-promotional champion. So he's currently a champion in two of the major promotions. You know, if you have, let's say, the top five promotions, UFC, obviously, uh, Bellator, one championship, Ryzen, and uh, PFL. Uh, you know, he's got belts in two of them. So making a case for um, the the best bantamweight out there. Um, it's hard to argue if a guy's going from, from one organization to another and is able to win. Um, the only controversy about this fight is that Darian Caldwell spent a lot of time on top. So we saw that the judges um, rewarded the activity of Horiguchi from the bottom. And Horiguchi basically just let Caldwell run his gas tank out and... Uh, in, in his corner, the, the man you believe is the best bantamweight of all time, Dominic Cruz, Jeff, was uh, pleading with Darian Caldwell to be more active on top. Like, you got to do more. And um, I don't know. He couldn't do it. He got he almost got caught in another couple of guillotines, which is what Horaguchi finished him with the first time. He's got a nasty guillotine. And uh, that's it. I don't know if Juan Archuleta is next or if Horiguchi's going to go back to Ryzen. I don't know what's going on there. Um, and I don't really follow the Bellator storylines closely enough to give you a prediction. But, um, yeah, some some fun fights. Uh, the only other thing I want to say about this card, which had, I think, 45 other fights on it, uh, <laughs> I still don't understand why Bellator does this. Why, why do you have to have so many fights in one night? Who wants to be stuck in an arena for 17 hours watching MMA? You know, 10 fights is good. 11, 12, you're starting to push it. Uh, a shout out to John Beneducci, the manimal, uh, getting his, his first win in Bellator. Uh, unanimous decision over Kenneth Rivera. Uh, manimal is one of the hosts of the MMA and Beyond podcast, uh, also hosted by Steve Maraboli and Ray Longo. So Manimal uh, fights out of Longo Weidman MMA on Long Island and uh, second-degree black belt under Matt Serra. Looked good. Um, you know, he was able to, to punish Rivera on the ground and beat him up. Uh, almost stopped him a couple times, but, you know, Rivera, tough guy. And, um, oh, yeah, the, the other thing, Aaron Pico knocked out again. Uh, you know, he was he was uh, controlling his opponent, Adam Borix. Uh, on the ground for the first round and then holding him down in the second round. Borks got gets up and hits him with a flying knee in the face, uh, remains undefeated. Um, I don't know what to say about Pico, man. He was one of these guys that was probably one of the most highly touted MMA prospects uh, ever. Uh, and now his second knockout loss uh, in a row, maybe. I'm not sure. I think he got yep. knocked out in his last fight. Um, yeah, so flying knee it was a nice knockout by Borix, but um, yeah, I don't know what to say about Aaron Pico. I think maybe they just put a little too much pressure on him. Uh, he's a good boxer, he's a phenomenal wrestler. I think um, it's just the putting everything together that he's having trouble with. You know, he tries to only box with guys who are better strikers, or he tries to only wrestle and then, um, you know, th those are both things that will get you knocked out. Um, but I, I think he's a phenomenal talent. He's still a young kid. I think he's like 22. Um, I think he'll figure it out. Uh, you know, he's a hard worker. Maybe take some time off. 
uh, two big knockouts in a row. Um, should probably take like nine months off and then, um, you know, back to the drawing board, but I think still a bright future for Aaron Pico. Um, you know, when you're, a um, an athlete of that caliber and you put your mind to something, uh, you're going to get results. So I don't know that he's listening to this, but you know, keep your head up, Aaron. I think you still have a bright future. And then, uh, Heather Hardy, uh, world champion boxer. Uh, gets TKO'd in her fight against Taylor Turner, who looks like a second grade teacher. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> badass second grade teacher, but um, uh, Heather Hardy, who's like you know, all tattoos and you know, uh, mean mugging, and you know, she's a world champion boxer, she looks like so tough. And then this other girl looks like so innocent, you know, like she should be doing story time at the local library but in any case uh tough fighter so heather hardy went for a takedown and then wound up on bottom in mount and just i i guess kind of exposed her own jujitsu knowledge no she tried um she didn't try any mount escapes she was trying to strike from the bottom while mounted which uh, you know is a big sign of inexperience on the ground and then no attempts for escape or guard recovery or anything like that. Um, so unfortunately, uh, she got TKO down there. Um, so credit to Taylor Turner getting in there against Heather Hardy, who's, you know, a badass fucking boxer. And, you know, if, uh, she's another one. If she wants to, uh, put her mind to this and dedicate herself to MMA, she'll be able to do it and she'll still have a bright future, even though she's like 37 years old, I want to say. Um, yeah, there, there, there's still time for her to make, make a run at this. Um, you know, because she's got such a huge skill set to start off with. Um, yeah, I mean, I would love to see her. Um, I would love to know that she's working on her jujitsu though. Uh, in any case, solid card from Bellator. I gotta say, I don't know how many people were watching it on a Friday night. Cause I don't know how many people were home like me ripping their ceiling apart. Um, so I, I don't know what the numbers are, are going to be on this. Uh, you know, you had some big names on here, some big draws. Um, but I, I'd be curious to see the actual, uh, viewers. In any case, any other thoughts on, on Bellator here, Jeff, or you want to, you want to move on and look to some UFC action next week? Yeah, dude, I think we can move on to what we got coming up next week, which is the return, Bill, of one of my favorite UFC fighters, the Korean Zombie. Yeah, man, Chan Sung Jung getting in there against Hanato Moikano. This is an awesome fight. Um, so Moikano is coming off that loss to uh, Jose Aldo, uh, which was like, that was a big statement for Aldo to show that he could still hang with the young and up and coming guys. And of course, Korean zombie is coming off of that wacky knockout from Yair Rodriguez, where he knocked him out with one second uh, left in the fight with that upwards elbow thing that he did. Um, I, I think this is a really fun main event. So this will be in, this is UFC fight night, 154 Greenville, South Carolina. The co-main event, Jeff, is a fucking barn burner. Rob Font and John Lineker. These are both guys who can throw some fucking heat, man. Uh, Lineker is coming off that loss to Corey Sanhagen in Fort Lauderdale um, about two months ago. I was there in person for that one. It was an interesting fight. And um, 
This is an exciting one because these are two guys who love to stand and bang. You're not going to see any takedowns in this fight, most likely. And then if you keep going down the car, Brian Barberina and Randy Brown, this is another fun one. Brian Barberina is coming off of what was one of the best fights of the year with Vicente Luque, where they just slugged it out for three rounds and Barberina wound up getting knocked out at the very, very end of the fight. Um, and Randy Brown's also coming off a loss. So they, they're both looking to, to prove something there too. Um, the card kind of falls apart after that. Uh, you got Jairzino Rosenstrike uh, on this card who is seven and oh, and this guy is, uh, a devastating heavyweight striker. Six of his seven wins by knockout. Uh, he's barely ever been out of the first round. Uh, his last fight, he knocked out Junior Albini. Um, you, you know, I've talked about him quite a bit, but he's getting in there with Alan Crowder, who's, um, you know, been around for a while, very experienced. Uh, you know, maybe Alan Crowder will be able to to get him to the ground and hold him down. I mean, he's, he's a big boy. He's got some submissions. Um, he's, uh, of course, Alan Crowder coming off of technically a win over Greg Hardy, which was a disqualification win. But, um, and, and before that he was knocked out by Justin Willis. So I think, uh, that that could be a fun fight to watch. Uh, keep your eye on that one. If, especially if you like big heavyweights with, that come through with big knockouts. Um, Rosenstrike is a scary fucking heavyweight, Jeff. Um, so that, that should be fun to watch. And then, uh, anything else jumping out to you, Jeff, or, or did anything I say kind of pique your interest a little bit? Uh, right now, I do really like that, uh, co-main event, John Lineker versus Rob Font. Like you said, both really good strikers, both very heavy handed. Mm -hmm. I, I doubt they're going to the ground bill and I doubt this fight is going to last more than two rounds. Yeah. That's think, a fair prediction. Yeah. I think somebody's getting starched in this one, as you would say, Bill. Um, <laughs> let's see. I really like, uh, you know, I'm a fan of Randy Rudeboy Brown trains out of Henzo Gracie, New York city. Uh, so I'm excited for that one. And I mean, it's hard not to get excited for a heavyweight bout bill. Um, I feel like this division has been a little bit quiet, outside of, uh, you know, ever since DC beat um, uh, Stipe Miasic. Yeah, like five years ago, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it feels like. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that uh, this is an entertaining uh, heavyweight bout and, you know, gives us something to go off of here in terms of rankings and who's going to fight who, um, you know, I don't know if Brock Lesnar is ever going to come back to the UFC. If he doesn't, I'm okay with it. Yeah. And these are young guys for the heavyweight division too. Rosenstrike 31 and Alan Crowder 29. That's like, they're like infants in the UFC's yeah. heavyweight division where the average age is like 48 or <laughs> something somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, anyway, fight night uh, 154. It should be a good time. If you got nothing going on on uh, Saturday night, June 22nd, uh, check that one out. I don't know where this is going to be viewable. ESPN Plus, probably. I don't think anything's on TV anymore. 
everything's streaming. I think I'm just getting. I think I'll just get rid of cable, Jeff. There's no reason for me to have it anymore. I'll watch. I'll watch television. Well, you know, I used to have it just when the Ultimate Fighter was on, and uh, but I think that deal is going to be with ESPN too. Um, a- anyway, uh, Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series comes back uh, this Tuesday. So I'm looking forward to that again. Uh, and I believe that will be on UFC fight pass, but I don't know anymore. I, I usually wait till like two minutes before these shows start and then figure out where I can watch them. But I'm excited for this one, Jeff, because we've seen, we've seen some awesome fighters coming out of this contender series. Uh, you know, Matt steamroller Frivola, who's been on this show, friend of the show, uh, killing a game in the UFC right now. Some of the most exciting fights uh, we've seen. And then, you know, all, all kinds of, all kinds of fun fighters coming out of this show. Um, Sean O'Malley, if you're a fan of that sort of thing. Um, so I, I just want to double check. I'm, I'm Googling it as I'm, as I'm rambling here because I want to make sure I give you guys the right information. Yeah. Tuesday, June, Seven, 17th, 18th it should be starting again. And it looks like that is on UFC Fight Pass. So there's that. There. You guys can't say I didn't try. Um, <laughs> the last thing I have to say is I haven't forgotten. Two things I haven't forgotten because this is an alcohol-based podcast as well. Uh, I have, I owe you guys an episode on my brewery tour in North Carolina. Uh, I want to set that up with Jeff at some point, maybe next week, uh, where it's just going to be me telling him about all the awesome breweries that I visited in North Carolina. Those of you who are only here for MMA, you could so choose not to listen to that episode. Um, I won't be offended. Uh, and the other thing is scotch month. I have decided that July is going to be scotch month. Uh, because I was called out on my knowledge of scotch uh, and told that I had poor taste in scotch, and I took it very personally. You can say a lot of things about me, Jeff, but but don't say I don't know my alcohol. And I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to Bill, the person, person who called me out. Bill, um, I don't think this person understands the depth of their failure, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> if, if it woke into fire within me, Jeff. <laughs> um in any case so those are the two things that i have promised you guys in the past and uh i I will deliver we'll we'll talk about some craft beer while it's still relatively fresh in my mind and um we'll we'll get into scotch month in july i'll talk about a different scotch every week and uh we'll have some fun with it i always like scotch in the summertime i'm starting to i'm trying to put together like what the seasons are jeff you know there's there's summer spring autumn winter um i I mean in florida there's just summer and like we have like a week where you have all the seasons at once but you know for the rest of the world i'm trying to put this together i think i've decided that summer is for scotch the fall is for rum because rum is just nice in the fall the spring is bourbon just because i i always get bourbon fever in the spring you know, some people get baby fever. I get bourbon fever, Jeff. Uh, I haven't decided what winter is yet. Um, but we'll figure it out. 
maybe I'll maybe I'll put out an exclusive MMA on the rocks calendar, like what you should drink each day of the year. It's like a <laughs> like an alcoholics advent calendar. <laughs> like, like today is November twenty third. Take a shot of Captain Morgan. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm just spitballing here, Jeff. I think that's a sign uh, that it's time for me to go and go celebrate Father's Day with my family and and have a drink. And I I hope all you fathers out there are able to do the same. Jeff, you got anything else you want to get off your chest, my man? Yeah, just happy Father's Day to all the dads out there who are actually, you know, sticking around, being a part of their kids' lives, Um, you know, breeding and being a father are two different things, Bill. So, you know, I've been around you and your family. Uh, I know how awesome a dad you are. I know Ariana's going to have a really good life. And so happy Father's Day to everybody. And even if you don't live with your dad, give him a call. Just say hi. Say happy Father's Day, Dad. That's all you need. Yeah, that's it. Oh, thanks, Jeff. I appreciate that. Um, and I, I'm going to wait for my daughter to wake up from her nap so we can go get some lunch with her grandpa. Um, and that's it. That's all we got, folks. Um, still a pretty long episode considering there was no – UFC this week. I usually don't spend so much time talking about Bellator, but uh, you know, pretty good card. If it's a good card, it's a good card. Uh, I had been disappointed with Bellator a lot uh, in recent memory, but you know, they're maybe they're turning it around. I was a big Bellator supporter for a long time, and then they kind of fell off a little bit for me, but uh, they're winning me back, Jeff. All right, so if you want to get a hold of Jeff the Animal Wilson, it's at Animal underscore Wilson on both Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget to go give Jeff a follow on Instagram that he finally created an account after me harassing him for three years to do so. Uh, and you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the Rocks, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can send me an email if you want, MMA on the Rocks, gmail.com. Wherever you're listening to the show, please do leave us, leave us a rating. Uh, it really helps us out, helps get the word out, spread the word of MMA on the Rocks. Um, and we do appreciate it. Let us know what you guys are thinking and drinking out there. Reach out to us. Talk to us. We like to talk to you guys. All right, that's all we got for this week. Until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>